Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him, and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Casting out demons. This is some gnarly stuff. It's metal, it's punk, it's whatever you wanna, what are the other adjectives? It's, it's like hardcore. It's serious. And despite in the last century, some attempts or some theologians just like, well, actually it's probably epilepsy or something. No, no, this is real stuff. Not that epilepsy isn't real. But this is also real. It's a spiritual reality, this thing of possibly being possessed by a demon. The church has believed in that always. That's not like a new thing. And, he, and in the gospels themselves, there's, there's 25 times, I Googled it, I didn't actually manually count it, but 25 times in which Jesus is either casting out a demon or they're talking about, wow, he casts out demons. So it comes up a good bit, 25 times. That's, a, that's in the four gospels uh, together. Uh, so what I wanted to do is just to do a little, a brief catechesis about the demons, but also angels, because the two of them go together because they're both the same thing. Angels and demons are the same thing, but there's a really big difference, and that is what their answer to God was and is. So let me start with, with angels. We have this whole category of beings that are immaterial, they don't have physical bodies. They're, they're not limited by a body. That actually makes them more powerful uh, in a way that I won't try to explain right now. But the word angel in Greek, angelos, real, actually means to be sent or one who is sent. And so if you want to do a little literal translation, if I were to refer to an angel, yeah, that sent being, yeah, that's who's here, that's who's doing X, Y, or Z. The scent thing, the scent one. It's, it's not a thing, it's not an object, it's, it's got personhood. A technical uh, philosophical term, a personhood. That, that it, it has its own intellect, so there's intelligence there. Much greater and of a different order than what we have. And, and also a will, ability to decide, a free will just like we have. So that's what makes them persons. Uh, the, this intellect in a, in a will, no body. And so this, this whole thing makes it like glorious, great, it's like a higher power of intellect and a higher power of will compared to what we have. Now, our will, we make a decision and then we can change it. And then, or we can renew it. 
and keep doing that over and over again. The angels, because of their intelligence and the fact that without having a body, they're kind of in a certain sense outside of time or like in, in, a, in an eternal being, when they make a decision, it's once and for all and for always. And so they only make decisions once and it sticks. They don't like reconsider, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have. And so as a free being, God designed them and made them to participate in his glory and his love for all eternity. And so he, gave, he wanted them to be freely participating in that, just like he wants us to freely participate in that. That's why he gave them a, a will. And so he didn't like force them, okay, you're going to have to be in heaven here. It was like in a certain sense you could call it an invitation. I invite every one of these angels I've created, I invite all of you to participate in this glory and in this, this, uh, this whole plan of salvation that you're not going to know about yet because it's going to come later once they start creating some people or some humans. And for some reason, some of them said, I'm not going to do it. The Latin phrase is non serviam, I will not serve. It's like, well, why the heck would they do that? That's stupid. Well, why do we sin? <laughs> it's stupid. Why do we say no to God at times? Well, there's a similar dynamic. There's a, a pride that looking at their own power and their own glory and their own majesty, they say, hey, I, they, I can dig this. This is... I." I I don't want to have to use it just the way and just be sent like this and just kind of do God's bidding and, and just that. I want to have control over it myself and I want to do my own stuff. I don't want to have to glorify God. I, some of these other angels should be glorifying me. And so there's this egoism, this pride that is just mammoth-sized. And so they said, no, I'm not doing it. And so, again, because of the power of their intellect and the clarity of their intellect, knowing exactly what they're doing and the strength of their will and the situation this, of being these eternal beings, they inked in that decision forever. It's the most tragic moment in all of salvation history. Worse than Adam and Eve. Because they really knew what they were doing. Adam and Eve, there's some degree of ignorance and being tricked into it. Some degree, not totally. Angels, no, they knew exactly what it was. And that's where those had fallen. Now, but back to the, the, the angels that have not fallen. They are good. God made them like the rest of the creation, good, out of a, a fruit of his love and his willing to, desire to share all of his goodness with other beings. In the, um, in the catechism, if you go through the, the list of all the types of angels, there's nine. There's seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and angels. And in the, um, right before the consecration, there's a part of the Mass with the holy, holy, holy Lord God. We, we, we list out a number of those because we're, we're joining our voices, singing with them, glorifying God. So angels show up a good bit in the liturgy here. And each of them has like a different purpose, a different task, a different mission, a different, it's almost like, but, but they're, not, they're, they're not like there's, uh, each one of them is so specific in its individuality that you keep, it's got its own 
category of being, so to speak. It's kind of like if, if there was only one animal of every animal in the king, animal kingdom, that's kind of like what the angels are. There's only one of each one. And it's so specific and so, so detailed. What, what I wanted to highlight here, though, is the role, well, first of all, there, one, one last thing. Unfortunately, and I don't know why, a very common artistic representation of angels is like the three you see underneath the Blessed Virgin Mary over here. These chubby little babies with these little tiny wings that would be like, wouldn't be able to get anything off the ground, and this cute little little face, and they're just kind of like roly-poly kind of rolling around. And, and our, it's, it's like, okay, that does not communicate glory, power, majesty, high intellect, strong, it communicates other things. I don't know why that got to be a thing in art, but it was. What's better is over here on, on this side uh, and on that side over there, you have three depiction, or depictions of three angels. And on this side right here, I, I, mean, I can't see the other one from here, but we have in the center, there's, there's a, a full-grown angel with armor on. He's got a sword and, and the, the halo. And, and, a, and so it's, 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 it's something that's kind of like intimidating. And like, this is like an artistic representation, but like if an actual angel were to show up, you'd be, get the bejesus scared out of you because it's like we're not used to being around that kind of power, authority, and something so majestic. And when they're around us, they have to like dial it back. That's why when they appear in the Gospels, the, the angels appear to the shepherds. What happened to the shepherds? They are afraid. The angels appears to, to Mary. She's afraid. There's a, they appear to, at the resurrection, they appear there, and the, and the women who are going there to uh, anoint Christ's body, they're afraid. It, again and again, it's like, ah, what is this? Majestic beings. Now, one in particular I wanted to point out are the guardian angels. Again, this is a standard part of our Catholic faith uh, throughout all of, all of the, the history of the church, is that each one of us has a guardian angel specifically for you. And they're here right now. You want to know the population or the attendance at church, what's well, double whatever you see right here, because they're here too. And they never leave your side. They are your guardian angel, not your buddy angel or your cute little chair uh, uh, thing, like, like having like a dog. It's, it's like, this is a majestic being that is there to protect you guard you. Well, we can already just from that uh, infer some things. Well, for one, you're worth guarding. If you had a bodyguard, like a person, and you're, you're someone you contracted to do that, it's like it's because you got something worthwhile you want to protect. And they're always there, and, and you, got, you, have to, you have to work with them. You can't just like do whatever you want. If they're going to do their job, you have to, like, okay, let's say, hey, hey, boss, we can't go over there because that's really dangerous. Okay, we won't go over there. But that's what they do. They protect. They guide. The second thing that if, if you have a guardian angel, it's because, yes, there is something worth protecting, but it's, there's some danger out there that you need protected from. And that's why, there's an, that's why God created an angel for you. You're immensely loved by God, and he wants to protect you from other spiritual beings. Well, who could that possibly be? Well, the third of the angels that said no to God. 
they want to spiritually attack you. And anything that is beautiful, anything that is good, anything that is holy and noble, they can't attack God. They can try to do everything else because they're so seething with hate and malice and it's so complete and total, the darkness in them. They're creatures, but they've just completely darkened and twisted it. And so, though, so I can't attack God, but what I can do is I can try to get somebody else to hate God and be on our side. They're not really a side. They're all against each other, too. So that's why Adam and Eve, the first fall. So now what? They are weaker because of their fall. They are not as glorious and strong as they were before. That's the nature of a no to God. That's also the nature of any no that we give to God. Any sin, we're weakened by it. Our intellect isn't as clear. Our will isn't as strong. It all weakens us. It's like, it's like an infection. They got that too, but even more thoroughly. But they're still way stronger than us. So what do they do? They, as I mentioned, they're, they're looking to somehow get revenge on God for being so good, the very thing that gives them fulfillment and joy and goodness. They've, they've rejected it, but now they, they want to destroy anything that reminds them of that or that, could, that symbolizes that. And so in, in Saint, and the, the first letter of Peter, chapter 5, he talk, Peter talks about, St. Peter talks about Satan prowling around looking for the ruin of souls, like a raging lion looking for the ruin of souls. They're ultimately damned. There's no way back for them. But they remain under God's authority. They're just creatures. They can't just do whatever. Otherwise, the whole world would be annihilated already. And so God gives them a certain limited permission to harass us. It's so, okay. Yeah, go ahead and harass him. Because he wants that, through that harassment, for us to wake up. Realize that there's spiritual danger out there. And by fighting against it to strengthen us. Well, I don't know. I always have this temptation. I go with these terrible thoughts. And, well, well that's, a, that's a weight God wants you to carry so you get a really big bicep. That's what that is. That's, where that's why God permits temptation. That's why he permits evil in the world. He wants to strengthen you through that. Resistance training. You're going to want to lean on your guardian angel to do that too, and not just be on your own. The demons can influence you and tempt you. How do they do that? Well, I'm speaking to you, and you hear my physical... My, hear, vibrations of the, the sound wave that comes in your ears and you hear what I'm saying and I'm, I'm quote, influencing you with my words now. They can do the same thing, but it's immaterial. They don't use microphones in, in their voice, but it's rather you can put thoughts in your, in your head and speak to you directly that way. The same way you speak to God, it's not an actual physical voice. It, it's like they can speak to you. Now, they can only do it when God allows them to do that. Ever have that happen where you just got this, you're, you're on your line, you're coming up to communion, just some like 
really gross thought just like cross, comes across your mind. What do you say? Get behind me, Satan. And then ignore it. If someone was, if you're coming up the communion aisle and, and someone was in your ear, like physically talking to you, hey, what, why don't you think about some other stuff? And why don't you think about how God didn't give you the things you didn't, that you were hoping for this week? And why don't you, in like a voice like that, what would you do? You'd turn around and say, shut up. That's what we should do with temptations when they come. Shut up. And then you turn to your bodyguard, your, your, your guardian angel. Angel sent by God to guide me. Be my light and walk beside me. Be my guardian and protect me. And the paths of life direct me. That's, that's one guardian angel prayer. There's others. Learn one by heart. Pray it regularly. In the seminary, uh, we had a, just a, a tradition that we would always pray to our guardian angel every time we left the house. Now, we also needed it inside the house. But anyways, that was the, the moment we had. We were going out into the world. Let's pray our guardian angel be there, protect us, and, and guide us. There's also, you can invoke St. Michael the Archangel, who, who is on the wall here. He is the head of the archangels, and he is there to protect the whole church. All of us. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. We're in a fight. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world looking for the ruin of souls. That's an awesome prayer. That's powerful. That is the church militant. That is, those are fighting words. Use those. Make that your own. Don't just rattle it off. Pray it and mean it. If you're in a particularly difficult situation, oppressed by what you say, okay, there's something really big going on here. I got a really bad vibe about this. Pray the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. Bring in this, this heavenly army to protect you and fight on your side. You all have individual guardian angels. Well, the church also teaches, also in the catechism, that other, not just individual people, but communities have a guardian angel to protect them, too. And so there be a guardian angel for this community right here. When's the last time you talked to him? If you had an actual bodyguard, you'd talk to him a lot, right? Because you want to have good communication and make sure your things are the, the, you're, you're on the same page and all that. Do that with your guardian angel. Talk to him. Don't just ignore him. He's always there. He must be getting bored. He's like, gosh, I've been with this person for, for 47 years. They haven't said a word to me. All right, well, I'll do my job. Anyways. So, anyways, that, that was the content I wanted to, to go over. Learn the guardian angel prayer. Make it part of your prayer routine every time you step out of your apartment. St. Michael the Archangel prayer. And then lastly, I want to invite you all to watch a video. This past Wednesday night, up at the cathedral, there was a talk by a Catholic priest who's an exorcist. His name is Father Chad Rippinger. And he talked about spiritual warfare. And he went into this material that I've just done, and more extensively too, and also talked about the Blessed Virgin Mary's role in all of this as well. She's actually even more powerful still, but I won't go into that. 
But I want you to go and look at the YouTube page for the cathedral, St. Patrick's Cathedral up on Fifth Avenue. Look at the YouTube page, it's on there. Uh, Father Chad Rippinger, Spiritual Warfare and the Blessed Virgin Mary. Watch it. You will be motivated. You will feel protected. You'll be, uh, wanna be even more so in this fight and also realize the dangers that are out there that are constantly tripping us up and we're just not attentive to it or not realizing how, what, what, kind of, what, kind of, um, what kind of guns we need to be bringing to these, these battles. So I highly encourage you uh, to watch that. So pay attention here. The rest of the mass angels show up in, uh, we mention them in the, in the liturgy. They are present here now. They will be present even more in a more strong, powerful way as the holiest moments of the Mass come along with the Eucharist. They will be saying, glory, glory, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. That's their words all the time, everywhere. And we're going to repeat it with them. So we're all on the same team here. That is part of this, this magnificent creation that we're, that's the invisible part, this invisible, visible and invisible, as we say in the creed. So there's, there's so much here. There's so much to dive into. Go to the catechism, read up on it there. Go to Father Chad Rippinger's talk as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.